Motorcycle Dad with Tito here. What's going on, party people? It has been a while. It's been a minute. Uh, sorry for my little hiatus. Sorry if not sorry. Uh, I was taking care of some personal, some also professional, and just taking a break. Sometimes you need to push away and not push away, but like take a break from something, come back to it. I've always told you guys in the podcast that I'm never going to put out episodes where I don't believe in the energy of it. Or anything like that. There's sometimes where I'm, I come close to that, but it's like, you know what? I still got the good vibes there. And uh, I just needed to take a break for a minute. I was taking care of some personal stuff, uh, i.e., uh, focusing on being a dad a little bit more. Uh, you know, we're always looking to get better and improve. And that was one of the things I've been slacking on, and I wanted to kind of improve on that. Also, uh, busy time of year Marine Corps birthday, Veterans Day. Uh, beginning of November is really pretty busy for me. November, this time of year is pretty busy for me in general. And it's kind of weird because being that I don't work full time, I'm still fucking busy. So I'm like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> but it's fun because it's a fun busy. It's not like before where there's a lot of things that I just didn't get a chance to enjoy that I have time to enjoy now. Like, you know, hey, middle of the day, I want to take my kid to the arcade at Circus Circus and take my kids to the arcade and hang out with her. And, you know, we went to the park. We've been doing a couple things here and there. Nothing too crazy, but um, I'm saving all the big crazy stuff like Disney and everything for after Christmas and close to her birthday. Try to save up. So, um, but either way, I'm back. Uh, took a little hiatus. One of the things, uh, Marine Corps birthday. Okay. So any Marines out there, I know it's late, but better late than never. Happy birthday. Semper Fi, Semper Fidelis, Tun Tavern, Chesty Puller, yada, yada, yada. Um, Anybody that is out there that is not familiar with Marine Corps birthday and whatnot, well, let me tell you what, Marines hold our birthday to a very high regard. Uh, even when I was in the Marine Corps and I used to say, eat the apple, fuck the core, and I hate it being in, the one time in a year that all Marines are proud, regardless of how they feel about their time in service or not, is the Marine Corps birthday, November 10th, okay? November 10th. It's when the Marine Corps was born in Tun Tavern, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. They drilled that in our head in boot camp. Um, Marines, we hold our birthday to a very high regard. It's one of the things that drew me to the Marine Corps is the heritage and history and how they really hold that to a high regard, even with the younger generations coming up um, and with some of the older generations, the OK Boomers falling off. Well, and, you know, millennials. Just put it this way, every generation, no matter what, you can say what you have to say. But Marines always hold the Marine Corps birthday in history very high. So it's one of the things I've always loved about it. I have some of my friends that are in other branches that actually look, they look forward to the Marine Corps ball more than their own birthday ball because of how crazy we get. And just, it's a great weekend. I didn't get a chance to celebrate my friends down and my family down at the Leatherneck this year because of some scheduling conflicts. But I I spent the past three years there, every year getting drunk till about two in the morning, three in the morning going get waffles and pancakes and then going home. So uh, I think one year break doesn't, uh, doesn't hurt much, but still love all those guys down there. It was a really, like I said, really fun time. I had a blast that weekend and, uh, and to the veterans out there and military, look, I used to serve. So if you serve national guard, uh, whatever you serve, thank you for your service. If you're still serving coast guard, whatever you are, I know we bust the coast Guard's balls a lot, like not a real branch, but look guys, anybody that is serving now, there's not a draft. And if you stand up and you make the decision to serve, I am all the more humbled because you made a decision like I did. Uh, you know, thank you for your service. I always feel funny when people, you know, say that shit to me, but now I know the appreciation that goes behind it. So, um, guys, it's Military Appreciation Month. So anybody that's in the military, has served, past, present, or you're thinking about it, look, you know what? If you're thinking about it, it's the best decision in your life. One of the best decisions of my life. I have a lot of friends and uh or people that I, I even call family because of that decision. So you won't regret it. Okay. Um, we're going to do a little bit different this episode. Usually I do Moto News first. I'll do Power Sports Industry News and all that good shit. Um, I'm going to cover that in the second segment because I don't really have a lot of time to record right now right off the bat. I'm still on dad duty. I got the time until the end of my robot vacuum uh, finishes. And, uh, and it's almost done here in a few minutes. So but I'm going to touch on a couple of things in this first segment. Uh, some like kind of dad stuff, kind of like household stuff, just random fucking tips. A couple of motorcycle, industry motorcycle things. Uh, and then in the second segment, we're going to go into what happened at the Milan Expo. So 
Uh, some of the heavy hitters that came out in that one, that really came out like, you know, boasting. They had the PR, they had the hottest fucking bikes, all that shit. I'm going to touch on that a little bit and uh, kind of keep it at that. You know, try to warm back up to getting back to those hour long episodes. I know my homeboy Vinny. I know you're relying on my suit, as he tells me, my soothing voice to get him through his road trip. But this episode may not be the hour long that I usually do. So we'll see. I don't know. I kind of write things down on what I want to cover. And then I let my fucking suck hole just run and see how that goes. The past two times I've been impressed. I managed to talk for an hour. So uh, I'm just going to go ahead and get it started and go from there. So first things first, I was talking about my robot vacuum. Okay. Uh, I told you guys, I'm never going to like give you any kind of reviews or anything. I've been holding off on that until I like use it for a while and get the little, little nuances so I can, you know, give you guys a tip or anything. And I don't, and guys, mind you, I'm not sponsored. I don't have an influencers account, even though people have talked to me about it. I may get to that point. Maybe when I get to a thousand plays an episode, uh, yeah, more power, but you guys are here at the beginning with me. So you get all the freebie, you get all the freebie info. Maybe when I get on Joe Rogan or fucking Mike Tyson level of being sponsored and shit like that, I'll, I'll fucking think about it. But right now I just want to put out useful information. It's helped me. Okay. So I bought a, a Cordy robot vacuum. I was looking at a robot vacuum. And of course, like most things, technology, my wife fights me on it. She's like, I, I was the one who wanted the high-speed Samsung fucking washer dryers and appliances. And she's like, give me the regular shit. You know, I'm the one that's like using Alexa and air fryers and shit. She's like, no, nah, don't worry. So special shout out to my wife. I love you. But you're wrong on those things. And I got it on the podcast now. It's out there forever. So I, I only win this fight. And even somehow, even though I'm putting this out there on the record, she still wins because she's my wife and I ain't stupid. I'm trying to have a happy wife, happy life, you know, so any fellas out there, yeah, this is one win, but it's not really, it's an imaginary win, <laughs> but the robot vacuum, okay, she fought me on this thing for so long, blah, 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 so when we remodeled our house uh, a few months ago, we put in luxury vinyl planking flooring, and it has made our lives a lot easier for cleaning, uh, I had to, in certain portions of the house, I had tile and fucking had to bust the tile up and that was you know when you have bad back and knee that's always great you guys know but the robot vacuum the cordy ever since we put the laminate vinyl planking or the luxury vinyl planking has been great i bought this thing now three quarters of my house or let's just say half of my house square footage wise is this uh lvp okay and in my bedrooms and in the living room in the back area of my house is carpet uh, you know, generic carpet that was in. They brand new carpet when we moved in. It was, you know, generic, car, you know, construction grade stuff. Nothing like really like, oh, elaborate carpet. You know, just whatever. Plain Jane shit. They put it in a house when they're selling it. So, fine and good. But I fucking hate carpet because I know how dirty it can get. Fucking wears down. And it's only so fucking clean you can keep the shit. Especially with a kid and a cat. Now, I always prided myself on people didn't notice I have a cat because... I try to keep the place dusted, vacuumed. We try to keep uh, Gonzo, our cat, like fucking really fucking combed and brushed so he doesn't shed a lot. But I mean, being in Vegas with the extremes of hot and cold, he sheds. So, um, and I was swiffering and sweeping at least twice a week and blah, 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 which is whatever. You know, I don't give a fuck. But then it was like, I found out I was taking so much of my time because of how much I concern myself with keeping the clean house, especially being a stay home dad. You know, I always want my wife to come home. Sounds weird, right? Like I want my wife to come home to a clean house. But yo, look, that's one of the things when you're a stay-at-home spouse, you want it to be tangible that, hey, look, you were out there doing your thing. I was here holding it down for you too. That's what I think it comes down to. And now being on the other side of that coin from where mostly it was women that are staying at home and now you're seeing a lot more men. I think there's some men out there that can appreciate that too. It's like, at least for me, that's my thing. Look, I don't know. Like some people don't give a fuck about that. And that's fine and good. But for me, it's one of those tangible things that I like, really want my wife to see. It's like, you know what? I've been holding it down. This is something I can show you that I've been holding it down. You show me every day by getting up and going to work. I'm showing you what I'm doing here. Okay. So it always kind of bothered me, you know, like, oh, man, because I'm Swiffer and sweeping so much, picking up so much cat hair. So I've seen these robot vacuums and I've seen the horror stories where like people have fucking dogs that like fucking talk shits and fucking the vacuum runs through it and trails into the house. I've seen all that. So it's like, I kind of question whether to get this thing or not. 
But I did some research on Amazon and I found one in the price point that I want. Cause you know, you got the robo, you got the fucking uh, Roomba. There's some other shit out there. They're like the 200 price point. And I didn't want to fucking pay $200. I'm like for that much. I'll just fucking sweep and fucking do all my fucking own shit. I don't give a fuck. But this one I found was 149. It had like over 700 reviews. Uh, and it was like 4.7. It was like above 4.5 stars. So I was like, damn, dude, that's pretty cool. And for what I needed it for, because I have a lot of open floor and like the, some of the cat hair sometimes get caught in the corners and shit. I was like, you know what? Let's try this thing out. And let me tell you what, guys. I fucking love it. And my wife... Who, like, she doubted me on the air fryer and some other shit has become a fucking believer, too. Because we notice as we walk through the house, you know, I like walking my house barefoot. I'm a country boy. You know, it's fucking, and I'm a Floridian at heart. So it's barefoot flip-flops most of the fucking time. Even when it's cold outside, like now, where it's colder here, it's like 60s, 50s at night, 40s at night. I still fuck with flip-flops. That's just how Florida folk do it. So, um... You know, I like walking around on my floors and I like feeling clean floors. I can't stand when you like fill a crumb here and there or some shit. So, and I put, I set this thing and I go. Now, this thing has a feature like you can set timers on it, on the remote, shit like that. that are pretty cool. But cautiously, my cat sometimes likes to fucking overeat and throw up. And I, oh, oh dude, he almost got me one day. I just like fucking set it one day. I was setting, I got up in the morning fixed my coffee, set the kid up, hit the vacuum. I just finished dishes and shit. And man, I just caught it right before the vacuum fucking rolled through it. It was a little pile of like fucking cat throw up. I was like, oh shit. Like I almost became a statistic. So if you got like a lot of high carpet areas, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, because as smart as these things are, he'll still roll in the carpet I've noticed. So what I have to do is I close all the doors to the bedrooms because I have a really good dirt double vacuum that is really good on the carpet. So it's like, why? It's a little robot vacuum. You know, it's meant to do best on hard surface floors. So it's like, why I try to make it do something that's not good at type shit. So I close all the bedroom doors. You know, Ava has a little ledge uh, detector. So I have a step down in my living room in the back end of the house. It knows not to go over that. And it does a fairly good job. Like I have a little handbag, a little black and decker handbag. Let me tell you what guys, I've had that thing for years too. And that thing is phenomenal. Especially when you have a kid, just real quick crumb pick up and shit. Cause I've had apartments and stuff where ants are a problem. Not that it's a huge problem here, but I'm always conscientious of crumbs because that attracts bugs and ants. So it's like, I'll always fucking pick up the crumbs. I usually hit like some of the corners that I know it's not really good at getting with the hand back just real quick. And then I just set it and let it go. It runs until it's dead. And let me tell you what, like it picks up a lot of fucking shit. My wife was even like, Oh my God, that's kind of gross. Like how much stuff it picks up and shit that we genuinely had just been missing. Like I noticed I was getting better with the Swiffer Sweeper. Then this fucking vacuum, this little robot vacuum came in and it's pretty cool to the point where one of my, uh, one of my friends got one and he fucking loves it too. And he was kind of telling me he got into trouble. He's like, yeah, that thing got into the bathroom and it got stuck on the high carpet and it'll let you know, like, Oh, I'm stuck. It'll beep. And the only other problem that I've had is the cat likes playing with it. Now, I was wishing my cat was going to fucking sit on it. Like you've seen some of the fucking, uh, you know, the shit on Instagram and fucking TikTok and stuff with cats sit on the Roomba. He doesn't want to sit on the Roomba as much as he wants to play on it or play with it because he thinks it's his friend. So like in the middle of the night, sometimes this asshole like two in the morning will fucking be fucking with it while it's on its little docking stand and the thing will reset. It'll like fucking beep and like go out and try to reset and he'll just be out there fucking with it. So that's like the old, besides like the potential to pick up cat throw up and the cat fucking with it, it really hasn't had too many negatives. And for $149, I felt that it was worth spending the money on it uh, to be like, to, for the peace of mind. I mean, some people are, oh, that's lazy. I still go around and vacuum my fucking house. Don't get me wrong, guys. Like I told you, I got to go around and hit the corners and hit some of the areas that it doesn't do, but... I mean, technology is out there to help us for a reason. I mean, don't, and dude, and trust me, this is coming from uh, like, cause I'm, I'm part Hispanic. Like my family's from, from my father's side, my family's from Ecuador. So I have my aunts. They were like, you know, they were stay at home parents. And you talking about, they raised like four or five fucking kids, half the kids in the neighborhood, you know, they held the house down and I'm raising one kid and I don't know how much of the energy that is, let alone three to four kids. On top of the neighborhood kids and all that shit. Like, holy smokes, bro. 
And let me tell you what, Maha, Maha Julia, bless her heart. She, dude, she is like the sweeping master. Anybody that has any Hispanic family can tell you this. Yo, like if they're a, ma, a stay-at-home parent, they can keep a clean house, bro. And like I see my aunt, it was funny, me and my dad joke about this. My aunt has blown out a broom in like a week, dude. Like blown it out to where that shit looked like, you know, a toothbrush you ever replaced in a year. It was like, bah, like all the, 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 the little bristles were everywhere. And it was funny because my dad was telling me a story how like my aunt was visiting and she always lives clean. Even when she comes to my house, she cleans, dude. And like you could like sweep. And she comes up after it and we'll get another dirt pile. And you're like, dude, how the fuck did she get that? Like, short, fast strokes, dude. She's on a it's like watching a machine gunner, dude. Like, watching her vacuum. Now, I know my aunt could run circles around this robot vacuum. But if that was a gift that I could give my aunt so she doesn't blow out brooms, trust me, I will do it for the price. So, Titi, if you ever listen to my podcast, I hope, please, like, let me know. I'll let you retire. You can retire the brooms. But I know some part of her, she'll, she'll kill the robot. She won't allow the robot to win. I don't know where I was going with that, but I just think it was hilarious, like, to take those extremes to go from, like, the days of my aunt with Susie Homemaker, where you, like, you gotta, gotta keep the clean house. So now we have these technologies in place where it, like, helps us. I'm like this. I'm always one. My wife is, like, the anti-technology one, and I'm more the technology guy. I've had to pull back some because I got a little crazy with, like, Wi-Fi bulbs and shit. They were, like, dude, they were draining on the Wi-Fi, and it was... It was just a pain in the ass. Like, I know some people are like, oh, they don't drain that bad. But for us, it did because the way our layout of the house is. But uh, this is one of the things that I will recommend to you guys. I think it's pretty fucking cool. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not accessed by Alex or anything like that. Kind of weird about that stuff now. So I don't really look at that feature. But if you look at it, it's the Cordy C-O-R-E-D-Y robot vacuum. It's pretty cool. So if you're thinking about a gift, there you go. So that's my little like homemaker spiel on fucking stay at home dad cleaning shit. I hope you guys enjoy that one. Um, next, one of the things I'm looking at getting next is uh, a heater for the garage because now it's getting in the colder months and I still fuck around in the garage a lot. So I've been debating that a couple people tell me gas, <clears throat> excuse me, getting a propane heater is the way to go with the little heating element on top. I'm just a little iffy about that because I have my kid and blah 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 it's a lot i think it's a little bit safer for me with the electric space heater so that's my next project that i'm going to be working on so stand by for a review on what the best solution is on heating a garage or at least like it's going to be cold i'm not talking about getting your garage like 75 degrees um but if it's more manageable where i'm in there with the hoodie and my hands aren't freezing cold i'm okay with that um i've been in the shop my last shop dude it was horrible like in the service area we we were in a garage door bay area. We couldn't keep the fucking doors closed because we had customers coming in. That shit sucked, but thank goodness I don't have that anymore. <laughs> so it's okay. Like, I'll keep the heat in. And Space Heater might be a pretty good uh, heating solution for us. We'll see. I'll let you guys know how that goes. That's my next garage tip that I'm working on. Uh, one of the things I wanted to tell you guys, too, is pegboard, okay? Now, I had storage problems in my garage, and I'm still working through it. I mean... For a guy that's pretty active in the garage, you guys know that, like, it never really ends. It's always kind of evolving. I've gotten a lot of the big projects out of the way. I like lighting and the garage opener and some other stuff in there. And, you know, of course, the boxes and the workbenches. And pegboard being one of those projects, the way my garage layout is, it's a little bit easier for me because I have exposed studs just to go ahead and just fucking boom, boom, drill it right into the studs and call it a fucking day. Um, but I know some people are looking for cheaper storage solutions and regardless if you have drywall, a finished garage, or you just have exposed studs, this is still a good method it is old school, but dude, it's super simple and it keeps a lot of stuff out of ways pegboard. Um, it started off with a friend of mine at one, the last shop I was at parts manager, Sal, special Sal, Sal, um, Saul, sorry, special Sal, Saul, um, he had some spare pegboard, asked me if I wanted it. I picked it up. It was one time that him and his wife were coming up for dinner and we put it up and it was such a good solution for our storage problems that I decided to expand it on the garage side. Well, I got to finish that project up here now soon, but still for like $25 a sheet, if you're looking for a cheap solution, I mean, guys, I did this project for maybe a total of 60 bucks and it offered me so much more storage. So if you're not at the point where you need a toolbox, 
you're not at a point where you want a dedicated workbench or anything like that. Look at the old school pegboard, man. Uh, you know, they sell the peg, uh, the peg kit. So you can get a whole like 50 piece kit or something like that from Harbor Freight. I've had to get a couple of those, but they're like fucking six bucks. And then if you have a coupon, it's no big deal. You have a coupon. So it drops the price down. So dude, for like under a hundred bucks, pretty much you can go do a pretty good storage solution for your garage and help free up some space for you and use some of that empty wall space guys. Like I know we want to put flags and fucking cool signs and shit up, but I'm the type of person that's always going to look at functionality and cleanliness and organization first as my priority. There's some old school guys out there that can do the whole, like, I have my shit everywhere, but I'm so used to between aviation maintenance and just being a, trying to be a, a fast, efficient technician to where it's like, yeah, you got to have your shit lined up and organized all the way through and through. And pegboard is a pretty economical solution to that. So if you're looking for storage solutions in the garage, look at the pegboard option. It's pretty good. I mean, cause that's I walked into some of my friends, uh, garage and like, They've had like shit like kind of everywhere, like little knickknack stuff that you could put on pegboard. And then they're like their walls empty or they got like fucking, you know, the fucking typical dirt bike, titty, fucking bikini, uh, fucking pictures out there like on the wall. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, that shit's cool to look at. But, and I have some, you know, I have a couple of those things on myself, like my mad dog. Don't fuck with me. Fucking <laughs> flag up. But I even took mad dog, the general maddest fucking flag down for a while just because it was like, all right, well. This is a functional, dude. I got to put the pegboard up. So think about those things when you're organizing. Do you really need it or not? And look, go with your style. If you don't give a fuck, then don't worry about it. But if you do care, it might be a solution for you. So um, now going into some more motorcycle stuff, but not so much news because it's going to be like miscellaneous news compared to the new motorcycle debut news. Is uh, So one of the things I was reading this morning is Royal Enfield. Their searches are showing they're up 47% on Cycle Trader. Okay. So that meaning more people are looking for used motorcycles on Cycle Trader at 47%. Now, Royal Enfield has been in the North American market for a few years, but in the past two years, or past three years, if I'm not mistaken, they've really expanded their market here in North America. Now, that is where a lot of their parts and warranty problems have come, come hand in hand because like India doesn't talk to North America a lot and North America is not the best. And a lot of times whenever you're dealing with some of these reps, they refer back to India a lot. They like to pass the blame instead of taking responsibility. But Royal Enfield, if a lot of you guys don't know, sells more units, more motorcycle units than anybody else in the world. A lot of people didn't even know that. They are just like, what? And I didn't even know it until we became a Royal Enfield dealer. And it was like, hey, they move 800,000 units a year. And it's like, holy fuck, dude. Like, that's crazy. When you look at some companies like Beamer, as big as Beamer is in the Motorrad side, I think their average is like 35,000 units a year or something like that. And of course, I think Harley is up in the 100,000 to 200,000 units, somewhere in there. Don't quote me on those. I only looked into this one. But I know for a fact that they move over 800,000 units a year in Royal Enfield does. And if you look at their market, the most, the highest emerging market, which is Asia, and they're in India, it's like, duh, no shit. And especially for the type of motorcycle they sell, fits the demographic of those countries where it's like heavy urban, high traffic, you need a smaller bike. I'm sorry, Harley's not gonna sell a bunch of fucking electric glides in China or in India. They're gonna sell some because you know some people are rich enough to afford it, but that's not what they're gonna do. And that's the reason why Harley has teamed up with that one manufacturer that makes Benelli and shit in China to manufacture a Chinese Harley for them because guess what? That's the demographic there. And Royal Enfield has invested a lot into that demographic and they have a new factory there, which the factories there I've heard are pretty horrible condition wise because guys, look, manufacturing standards are different in Asia than they are here in the States. So those guys deal with different conditions, but like with their Himalayan, which I own one, their 410 model, they did that was built that was made in their new factory where they have you know computer cnc and shit like that and it showed um it was a higher quality like we had very few problems with the royal enfield himalayans in comparison to some of the older bullets that we bought old from older dealers like bad fuel pumps and shit like that where it was like holy fuck dude like this is horrible so um now royal enfield has picked up a lot and it explains why they're 
searches on Cycle Trader are up 47%. So I personally, if I ever get to the point financially where I can see myself owning three motorcycles again, like I can afford that kind of shit, I'd probably buy another Himalayan. I mean, I'm kind of waiting until they're, because Royal Enfield stole a bunch of fucking, well, not a bunch. This is what happened. So Royal Enfield hired a couple of the engineers that used to work for Triumph, and they developed their own parallel twin. Funny enough, it looks a lot like the Triumph <laughs> parallel twin, but good on them. I mean, fucking capitalism, capitalism, dude. If you can get an upper hand, get it. I mean, fuck it. I mean, that's what it's all about. And I've heard they've had some pretty good success with their parallel twin. Uh, I don't know if their units have increased. I don't have that kind of information as far as sales, their numbers. But I know that they're probably going to develop a parallel twin. They were talking about it, uh, developing a parallel twin for the Himalayan mob and offering it in the 410, as I call it, El Burro, the donkey, the hee-haw, the single-cylinder, long-stroke thumper, and having a parallel twin. I'm going to kind of wait around, and I hope they come up with a parallel twin because when it comes to adventure biking and dirt biking, dude, that bike was so fucking awesome. It was, like, so simple. That's why, like, we had people, like, for myself, I've been experienced riders, but it was getting back in the dirt. So, like, new riders riding this bike. And you're talking about economical-wise, the thing was getting, like, 50 miles a gallon. I think it was higher than that. They were claiming, like, 75 miles a gallon, but I think I was getting about 55, 60. I didn't fill that thing up for the first month I had it. It was just fun to dick around on. I hot curves were on it all the time and shit. And even when I did get in trouble a couple times with cops tearing up empty dirt lots, they were just kind of like, okay, dude, you can't be doing that. And they are like, hey, what the fuck is that anyways? Um, which anytime you can make a product that does that, that's great. That's good. That's fucking awesome. So Royal Linfield has really invested a lot in North America. I hope, I hope their parts system gets better. Cause that was a struggle. They had parts supply to North America. Um, like we were waiting for them, the, the, uh, the side cases, the paneers, and we were waiting for months, even though our dealership was a cash buyer and paid for that shit up front. And it was all sorts of craziness. Like, and even when we got them, it was like, they only shipped like 500 in North America period. So they're still working on that part of it, but, and their warranty kind of sucks and their logistics on hand kind of sucks, but it's such a simple fucking motorcycle that a lot of people can work on them themselves. It's fucking super simple. If, and for beginner bike, it's really great. So like a lot of the warranty problems we had were like stupid stuff where like I had a, we bought an old Royal Enfield bullet off of a, we bought it from a dealer that we bought his old units from, so they got a better price on it, but the shit had been sitting in crates for like two, three years. And then of course the shit, you know, like two, three years sitting in a fucking crate. Yeah, it's it's some good chances that had some problems. And that's what it was. So, I mean, but besides that, once you kind of broke past the first break-in period, they're pretty rock solid. So I can see why a lot of people are looking at them because when it comes to like your hipster crowd or even like riders that are looking for an economical function over like, oh, I want to be a, like huge in the power sports. They're like, hey, man, I just need some cheap transportation. When you're looking, you can buy a brand new one for thirty five hundred or like I, you know, let's just say like that Himalayan was four grand brand new. It's and with a two year unlimited mile warranty. It's like, how do you beat that when you're looking at economics? You can't even most of the days you can't even get a reliable used car. For three grand, four grand, you know, so if you can get a brand new vehicle for four grand out the door with taxes and everything, plus you have the two year warranty, that's not bad, dude. That's pretty phenomenal. So look at Royal Enfield picking up in, in the more urban markets, like in, in the rural areas, there was a couple guys with Himalayan that bought Himalayan insurance. They're like, look, I'm using this around on my ranch or my farm. This thing's never going to see the street. That was pretty cool too, but you're going to see him pick up a lot more in the urban areas. So Look out for Royal Linfields. And not only that, pretty cheap. To, those, I've been seeing a lot of people cafe racing them out and doing some mods in there because they're actually pretty cheap to do that too because, like I said, it's more of a hands-on tinkering kind of brand. So good on Royal. Like I said, I besides their logistics and their – I'm always going to look at things from an operation standpoint. So looking at the logistics and stuff, good on them. Uh, next one to Indian, okay? Indian is doing a raffle – for they're going to raffle off a test ride experience for one rider and a guest uh, and for the new Challenger. So you're going to be able to take the new Challenger out for, I think it's like a day. I don't know. They didn't leave a lot of the details as far as a day or two. You can go online. If you've already gone to the dealership and test ridden one, 
they you've automatically been enrolled or you can go online and enroll in the raffle um but it's going to consist of a couple areas like you can go to pacific coast highway is one of the routes they're going to go to and uh i think uh was there saying pig trail scene byway scenic byway so those are just two of the five okay guys so i it's pretty cool i think it's it's just empowering you more i look I've been hearing a lot of shit, a lot, a lot of Harley guys out there talking shit like, oh, Roguelide, you just cheated off a of Harley and shit, but it's like, well, yeah, but when you make it better, is it really cheating? Because <laughs> so far, like, you, you got guys like Jeff G. Holt out there and some other guys like, uh, I know, uh, Kerry Hart, he's he's uh, big sponsored by Indian and he's a big brand ambassador for them that have been saying that this thing is phenomenal. And... I, I say the PR that they've been investing into it, you know, good on Indian too for that. Cause I mean, they've, they really fucking pulled out the stops on it. So let's see where it goes, but that's one that's out there for you guys. Okay. All right. In the next segment, I'm going to try to go over some of the heavy hitters. I'm not going to go over every big one, but some of the heavy hitters from the EIMCA, or as I like to just call it simple, the Milan, Mil- Milan. The Milan Italian uh, Motorcycle Convention, okay? More on that coming up, guys. What's up, guys? One Take Tito back here. Hey, it's my nickname I gave myself just now. hey We're going to go over some moto news, okay? Now, I'm a couple weeks late on this, but still... Some of this information some of you guys may not know about. All right. We're going to get down into the down and dirty from the EICMA, aka what I call the Milone Motorcycle Expo, which is like usually the first one of the year that they do some pretty big unveilings. A lot of the Italian guys do more of their unveilings there. Um, Some of the bigger brands, Ducati and such, they bust out some bullshit there. Show everybody, show off. It's a show off fest. It's pretty Italian. So um, when it comes to that, they like to flaunt the definitely the aesthetics over everything else because there's still a lot of the technical information to come out on some of this shit. So um, you had Ducati, of course. They did a little bit more in-depth uh, revealing of the V2, uh, the V4 Street Fighter, uh, the V4 Street Fighter that they had come out, okay? Um, definitely some sexy machines. And recently, was it the... the V4 Street Fighter has been proclaimed like the sexiest bike of the year or some shit by somebody. Uh, not far off. I mean, look, I don't disagree with that at all. Like, it is a fucking sexy bike. I personally, I like the Cowie uh, a little bit more, but that's just because I've been a fan of Kawasaki a little bit longer and I don't want to get in two with those guys. Um, especially, in, not only that, it's a supercharged fucking motor. It's pretty much the same motor as the regular H2, just has different cams and such. Um, because it goes back to functionality, performance, reasons why I like that bike a little bit better. But I will tell you this much, I think it's fucking ugly. <laughs> I mean, it's cool with some of the sharp lines, but like the exhaust is ugly, the Santiago is ugly, whereas at least that Street Fighter, it's, it's a beautiful machine right off the bat. So good on Ducati, great views coming out there. But I'm going to focus on four manufacturers right off the bat, and then we can go from there. So first things first, big one, Aprilia. Aprilia, okay? They're part of the Piaggio group, okay? Piaggio acquired Aprilia a while ago, uh, a few years ago, but they're coming out with their new 660 model, okay? It's gonna be an all new 660. Uh, they're gonna put in kind of like the RSV kind of formation of a full fer- full fairing motorcycle, and also they're gonna unveil a Street Fighter Tuano version, okay? Uh, definitely year of the Street Fighter. Excuse me, guys. Uh, sorry about that. And uh, they're targeting the 600cc demographic. So all new 660. Uh, here it is. Forward-facing parallel twin that is Euro 5 ready and out of the box here at 100 horsepower. It is coming standard with trash control, cornering ABS, five riders mode, quick shifting up and down. So what you guys that don't know, quick shifting uh, or GP shifting or race shifting or GP shifting. It's basically an automatic shifter. You don't have to use your clutch or have to blip the, the throttle like some of the blippers have to. It's just straight up. You just stay on the throttle up and down. Beautiful. I love it. Um, that is standard. Uh, 
wheelie control, engine braking, cruise control, Kayaba suspension, and a five inch TFT LED display and LED lights all around, okay? Sounds pretty good. Here are my problems, all right? Uh, and it goes back to, I'm always gonna look at it from fixed operation side of things. So uh, the lack of aftermarket parts available um, for the demographic they're trying to, to target, I really hope, and I could be wrong, maybe they're waiting until the bike comes out and all of that bullshit, but uh, trying to find aftermarket parts for Aprilia's is a pain in the ass. It goes back to you're going to spend a little bit more money to find aftermarket parts, so affordability of aftermarket parts, um, you know, right off the back availability. Um, they even proven not to be horribly reliable, and I'm speaking of that from the motorcycle warranty uh, side of things, okay? Um, their warranty process is a pain in the ass, and this is why. Because from what I was explained to our reps, this is how they explained it to me when I was working on warranty, is they have to do everything super by the book on things. They leave no wiggle room, and they want pictures, investigations, tear down here. Like, when you're going through a warranty process the entire this is what happens. We'll come up with a warranty. We'll, we'll look over the bike, come up with the full estimate and be like, hey, look, this is what we found. Boom, 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 boom. Well, they'll go back through and look at it and be like, okay, well, now send me pictures of this. Okay, now send me readings of this. Okay, now I need you to do a measurement of this. Well, now I need you to do a measurement of this. Oh, have you checked this yet? They will run through every possible fucking scenario before they tell you to replace the parts, which in the German side and other sides, they're just like, okay, replace it. And if you, if you lied to me and I come through and inspect, then I'm gonna get my money back. And they leave it as simple as that. Well, a lot of that comes down to how Aprilia has their warranty logistics set up. There is no audits or anything like that. And if North America is proven to, Piaggio North America has been proven to warranty something that Italy feels is not warrantyable, then that comes out of their budget in North America. And that's why these guys are sticklers and it takes fucking forever to get anything done. And there was a lot of times that we would have to be like, hey, look, this component and this component failed in order to get one component covered. And then it was surprising because we would do that and they'd be like, oh yeah. And then when we, on the simplest cases where we're like, hey, this, they would want to ring us around the fucking rosy. And I'll be honest with you, they're not great people, people, you know, to work with. I mean, one, you know, there's several times where I was dealing with a guy that would constantly battle me. And this is me as a service director in the dealership, would constantly battle me would not return my calls. I tried to call several times. It was never available. Well, he said he called me back and never would call me back and stuff like that. And that's at the dealership level, not even at the customer level. So they really got to get better on their fucking, their warranty support. And those guys really need to take the stick out of their fucking ass and get better at being customer service to their dealers. That's just my two cents. I know there's some dealers out there that link up with guys like that. And they're like, no, I never have a problem. But I was pretty cordial and non-combative and all I ever wanted to do is take care of my customer and they were constantly fucking battling me or something that they would feel. And one of the biggest things for me was I worry about my customer and my technician. Is my customer being taken care of is the first priority. Is my technician and dealership being taken care of? Meaning is my tech getting paid for the time? So here it is. They would come up with all these elaborate tests for us to do. We'd be in it for three hours, but they would not want to pay my technician for the three hours. They'd only want to pay my technician for the repair, not the diagnostic time. They'd be like, oh, well, you need to go after the customer for that, which is fucked up because well, why am I going to go after your customer for the diagnostic time? So those are my beefs with Piaggio America, Piaggio Group. But I, I move on. Okay, so they got warranty, takes forever. Now, they haven't released a fucking price yet for this thing, which is my biggest pet peeve. Now, they're saying it's going to be under the 14K mark, and they're saying it's going to be between... 14, 12 and 14K. It's going to be above 12K and lower than 14K, which I think is a lot. I think it's going to end up being about 15. Um, you already have the machine out. You already know how much it costs you to manufacture. Or those are things you should already have planned out before you even fucking put the bike in production. And you don't have the price yet? The Italians in true Italian way. Or at least the, the motorcycle Italian. When I'm talking about Italian in general, I love my Italian people. Love them. I love them. I love them. My business partner is Italian. Just dealing with the manufacturers are a pain in the ass at times. At times. Not all of them, just the majority of them. Okay. They're looking at unveiling this midsummer 2020. Uh, I think that's bad. So they're looking at like 
July, June, July timeframe. So let me give you guys another inside scoop on something a lot of people don't realize. In August, Italy, the entire fucking country, has a three-week state-mandated vacation. <laughs> Meaning nothing gets done for three fucking weeks out of that country as far as getting parts and shit like that that are not in stock in North America. Good luck. You're, you're asked out for about a month and a half. Because when they come back from state-mandated vacation, they have like they, they're going to have a backlog. And of course, they take time to process all that shit. So you're looking at about a month and a half turnaround, which is already the standard anyways, month to get parts from Italy, month and a half. So now add another month and a half on top of that. Kind of a bad time of year to do that, fellas. That's kind of, that's why I'm like, I know they have all these internal problems and it like, it strikes a fucking big, like red flag for me when here it is, even with all those fucking problems. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, but we'll be, but, uh, and they're going to fucking do this. Now, if they have these problems under control and they have solutions for this, then I'm, I'm fucking talking out my ass and you'd be like, Tito, you're a fucking idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. I have not seen any indication that they fucking <laughs> they have solved these problems. And when I talk to my friends at dealerships uh, that are still carrying Taiwan, they're like, yeah, it's, it's the same shit. Like, nothing's really changed. And that's like my biggest problem with the... Uh, the Italian manufacturers, they they focus a little bit more on the aesthetics and certain other things rather than like fixed operations. They can learn something from the Germans. So that is the first model we're going to talk about. Next, we're going to go into Harley Davidson. Okay, the 2021 Pan America. All right, and 2021 Bronx. So they, they call it the Bronx, Bronx, right, Bronx. Yeah, it's called the Bronx. Oh, pretty ballsy. Um, so. The new Pan America is, is going to be is going to have the new Revolution Max motor in it. Okay, it's liquid cooled, sixty degree V twin motor, pretty much modeled and designed off of the V rod motor. So, you know, this is this is my optimism and disappointment. My optimism is this: it is a liquid cooled motor. Harley should have did this and in fucking instead of the Milwaukee Eight. This is the motor they should have came out with. My opinion. They should have fucking just not even looked at the fucking at the M8. Because to me, the M8 was completely half-assed. Uh, fueling had already developed a fucking single cam, four-valve head motor, fuel-injected four-valve motor back in the 80s. And literally, Harley, as much as everybody's bashing on Indian for like, oh, you copied my homework, they literally had to wait until the patent ran out before they dropped the M8 motor. And they even do that right. So it's like, okay, well, whatever. Um, but they got this new Revolution Max motor. It's a 1250cc. And the Bronx edition is going to be a 975cc. So in the pan, it's going to be a bigger cc. Um, and it's put out 145 horsepower with 90 foot-pounds of torque. The 975, the 975cc is putting out 115 horsepower with 70 foot-pounds of torque. Why isn't this motor in the goddamn fucking baggers? So here it is. This is why I'm saying, guys, Harley's constantly behind the power curve. They're, they put the brand the brand and all that bullshit in front of their ingenuity and their elevation in the game, which is the reason why their sales are still fucking down. But with this one, let's see. I mean, you're talking about the number one adventure bike in the world. Big adventure bike is the GS, you know. Well, they're going to have to compete against that. So let's see how they do with it, okay? Uh, especially those numbers, you know, the GS1250 is put out 136 horsepower. So they're beating it on horsepower, 105 foot-pounds of torque out of the box. And same thing with the 850. So let's see how they do. I got to take a quick break, guys, because we can get on ahead and go. I'll be right back, and we'll talk some more about it. All right, guys, Tito back here. Sorry about that. You know, I am a stay-at-home dad, and my kid does require some attention from time to time. So um, she's sitting here with me now. Say hi, Tito. Say hi. Hi. She's sitting here eating her rich cracker while I sit here and talk. So uh, part of me had some interruptions along the way, but like I said, it's called Motorcycle Dad for a reason. Um, This is the first time I had her. Well, no, she's been on a podcast a couple other times. She's come in to bust in the room and 
Gotta use the bathroom and stuff in my old studio. But uh, here it is. You're looking at the GS850. Is coming out the box with 90 horsepower and 63 foot-pounds of torque. So spec-wise, you're looking. It's not far off from the from its competition, and they got a really good chance of fucking doing some stuff with it. Now, my only problem with the Bronx is it's trying to get into a demographic like your R3, uh, your you know your MTO3, your uh, CBR300. Those smaller models are the 600s where I just don't think it's gonna be as successful as they like. Um, even in the adventure side of the pan America at 1250, I think there's going to be some people that actually bite on it and it's going to take a sliver. Now, will it dethrone the crown, uh, the crown prince of, uh, adventure, the GS? No, I don't think so. But just like BMW with the K1600B and with some of the other models just wants to take a small sliver of the pie. I think Harley's to that point now where with the new pan America, they're not looking to take the whole market, but if they can get a small slice of the pie, then it's going to help their sales numbers. And that I commend, you know, and especially with the Bronx, like, I don't think the Bronx is going to do nearly as good as they think it is. But guess what? If you can get some of these hardcore guys or some of the hardcore Harley people or, or gals, you know, that's one of those, I don't seclude just the guys, but gals too. And, you know, especially some of these new riders that want to be on a Harley, then, I mean, liquid cool is the way to go then I, more power to them. They don't have to take the whole market. They could take a slice of the pie and maybe, look, put a dent in their, their numbers and bring their numbers back up. I think it, that's a smart move from Harley on their court. I just wish they would have made it sooner. That's the thing. Like most other things, technology, America, unfortunately, we're behind on a few things. Where we're ahead on some stuff, we could have really, they Harley could really push the envelope and put the boot on their throat and be like, you know what? We're going to put our dick on the table and we're going to drop this thing instead of the M8. Personally, that's what I think they should have did. But you know what? Guess what? I'm not there at Harley. I'm not a fucking executive CEO to make those decisions. So shut the fuck up, right? I get all my information off of Google or the internets. So we'll see. Now, enough talking trash about the about the barn, barn shield, okay? Envy Augusta is dropping a Brutale 1000 RR, okay? 998 cc's. Now, They've had other brutalities. This is the first one based, if I'm not mistaken, based on the 1000 RR motor. If I'm not, I could be mistaken. That could be completely ignorant. And that's why I'm going to have my boy Dagan on here. Probably the next podcast, we'll sit here and talk. He knows all that, that little knowledge that I skip over. And uh, 998 cc's, 208 horsepower, Olean's electronic suspension, top speed, uh, top speed, well, saying top 186. Based on the F4, and it's priced just under 32k. Okay, so the year of the Street Fighter continues. Now, this is what I'll say about that. Envy Augusta is definitely a boutique brand. Okay, they're definitely you, you're not going to find. I mean, if you can find an Envy Augusta for under thirty thousand dollars, it is a deal. I know my last dealership group; they prided themselves, and we had quite a few because they buy old units from other dealers, great prices, on having some of the low the lowest price. In the Augustus. Now, I tell you, they're same. Some of the same problems, if not for Envy Augusta, they by far are worse than Piaggio. If that can even fucking tell you anything, when it comes to warranty support and parts availability and such, um, they're the worst. So you're buying a boutique bike not to be an everyday rider, to more or less be a boutique bike or a track bike, and to look good. Um, now they say their motors can stand up. I can't vouch for that being at a dealership. I mean, I've never had major warranty problems with motors. It was a lot of electronic shit that they had problems with. So that being said, uh, it's pretty cool for anybody that was looking to get into a Envy Augusta for less than 32,000. But, you know, quite frankly, if I got 32,000, I'm buying a Beamer Mercedes or some shit like I'm not going to go get a motorcycle, bro. I'm going to get a nice fucking car. It's cage time. And then I'll buy a bike on the side or some shit. Like, I can't just, I can't see myself spending $32,000 on an Envy Augusta. You ask me to spend $30,000 on an Arch motorcycle? Absolutely, because I see the craftsmanship. Now, Envy Augusta uh, prides themselves on motorcycle art. That's the big thing. Motorcycle art or motorcycle art. This They don't build their power plants in-house. And yeah, their, their bikes are hand-assembled, but... Not impressed, dude. Like I, I've seen the videos of the factory. It's very impressive there how clean it is. 
But it goes back to one of my sayings, all that jelly and no toast. Because it's like, okay, what does any of that shit matter to me? It doesn't mean anything to me, really. Now, don't get me wrong. They have some beautiful machines. Like, we had the, the Lewis Hamilton's uh, special edition in there at one point in time. And it was beautiful. I mean, oh my god, dude. Some of these bikes are absolutely fucking amazing. How beautiful they look. But I'm always going to go on performance and functionality and operational side. Like, their support they give their dealers after sales. And they fucking suck. So, uh, look, Envy Goose is a beautiful brand. Just put it this way. I would not buy one of these bikes unless I was a millionaire and just had money to blow. I'm just be like, you know what? I need to have 15 bikes in my stable. And this is just going to be one of them so I can have them. Okay. Tito, go and buy the goddamn Envy Augusta. It's going to be phenomenal. Uh, Poe Tito, Tito with very little money, is going to be, uh, yeah, fuck that. No. Or they buy something else. And then, like you said, when you're looking at the competition, the year of the Street Fighter, yeah, they're they're the bottom ranks. Because, I mean, when you could go get a fucking, the V4 Street Fighter for less than $30,000, why the fuck am I going to buy MV? Wow, yeah, what I could go buy a raped ape Ducati is just gonna fucking you know I can ring its neck and wild animal. Or you know, I could go buy a supercharged, supercharged Kawasaki for you know, and of course guys, you could get crazy and I'm sure the packages out there, you can get the 30 grand on those bikes. But their base MSR MSRPs are like 17.9, 18.9. So yeah, you could get a to the $30,000. No, the benchmark for this one is $30,000. It's like, I don't know about that. So we'll see. Okay. Now, I'll get off of Envy Augusta now. Now, I'm moving on to a company. They're uh, they're called Cake Electric. Okay. They make electronic hybrid dual sport motorcycles. Some people have bashing them saying they're, you know, more bicycles. Uh, but these things are legally, sh- they're, they're street legal. They come with a headlight, taillight, and all that shit. I think it's going to be a big hitter for your more urban market as far as like your, your fucking more populated areas, like your more city areas, because it's a pretty cool fucking bike. So it's going to be more for your trail riding kind of shit too. So here it is. This little uh, motorcycle is getting 100, 186 foot pounds of torque from the motor. It's got a 2.6 kilowatt hour, uh, kilowatt 50 amp hour battery max speed of 60 miles per hour okay that's why i say it's going to be more your city urban environment guys just because it's like for getting around you got some trails here and there so new, there's going to be a ton of new yorkers who fucking love this thing max speed of 60 miles an hour and that's with the like insanity mode and then it's got a one to two hour charge time or a one to two hour run time and excite mode depending on how you're riding it and three to four hours of riding in the explore mode which is going to tune down the torque this thing is only 174 pounds the entire fucking weight of the machine it's got only suspension front and rear okay now we are front and rear wheel and this is going to be a, a challenge on the tire part front and rear wheel diameter is 19 inches hmm. now it's calling for one foot of ground clearance and the price is fourteen thousand dollars 14 G's. Would I pay $14,000 for this? No. If I had, if I was worth, you know, a million, yeah, absolutely, I'd buy this. Um, comes down to one of those, it looks like a fun machine. All the videos I've seen on, on Cake and on Instagram and on YouTube about this thing, people love it. You've seen them riding these things out on the motocross tracks, supercross tracks. Uh, one guy riding it through New York City, <clears throat> another guy just riding around all over, you know, all over the place. Uh, this is where, like we were seeing, guys, the electronic market catching up, okay? Something like this about two, three years ago probably would have been a $20,000 mark. Now, give this technology a little bit more time to develop. Now, you're going to be, you're going to get that price point is still going to, it's going to keep dropping. I'm waiting for them to, like a company like Cake, with the quality of this product and how it looks, to be getting down to around the 10000 mark, hopefully within the next couple of years. Because one of the things is, you know, manufacturing, getting the product out there to get that price point down. Same struggle that a lot of manufacturers, all the big manufacturers have, is bringing your price point down so you can bring, like, the cost of manufacturing down so you can bring your price point down for your consumer. Uh, that's one of the things that Harley and some other brands, not just Harley, I'm not just calling them out, but some other brands really struggle with is bringing their manufacturing costs down 
And that's going to be one of the things that's going to be key for cake success, I think. I think they're, they're going to have enough people in the demographic that are going to want this unit to, like I said, when you look at the price of owning an automobile these days and for functionality for their lifestyle, it's going to be more functional for them and justifiable for them to spend $14,000 on this dirt bike, enduro bike, if they live in New York City, rather than them spend $20-something thousand dollars on a fucking car that's going to cost them fucking ridiculous amount to keep, maintain, and all that shit. So it's going to come down to who needs it more or who, who's going to need this machine. You know, who's going to be your customer base? Um, we'll see how that goes. But so far, it's pretty cool. Like, if I had the money to buy it, I'd buy one. I mean, if you're, you're coming in, I look, my eye is caught by any bike under $20,000. Why? Well, am I going to go buy them right now? No. Most expensive bike I ever spent was personally was my Harley. I think I was $13,000, $14,000 on that one. $13,000, that's with taxes and everything out the door. And that was pretty expensive uh, for me. But I could afford it at the time. And, you know, here it is. It, it was a Harley. I could justify it by the value. The, there's not enough of these things out there where I can see the resale value really being where you can feel like you're getting your money back. And that's something Harley's pretty good on, the resale value. So, um, and that, look, guys, that is my two cents on that, okay? Uh, like I said, I, I, hey, Vinny, I got close to the hour. I hope my soothing voice kept you occupied long enough. Uh, because if you, you sandwich all these segments together, I hope I got close to it for you, buddy. But um, more news coming up, guys. I got more projects I'm working on. One of the things I've been working on is a motorcycle clothing line with my buddies. We're trying to start the, we're in the process of starting this uh, e-commerce so as soon as we get that up, I'll let you guys know. I'm really going to try to keep those as much separate as possible. Uh, not to really, like, you know, I, I like to talk about it because industry stuff, I'm not really going to push it too much. I mean, but it is my fucking, uh, my, myself and my friend's company. So of course I'm going to fucking rep, you know, IMP clothing, you know, induction, you know, induction moto, you know, all that stuff. Like I'm always going to push that stuff. Always got to push your brand. So, um, Lots of designs and stuff for cool t-shirts and we're looking to get into some other, you know, riding gear and such for the average consumer, the average person out there. I still think that there's a, a missed mark for certain people and that's where we're going to try to fill the void. So um, if anybody has any ideas that, for stuff or for gear, stuff that you like to see, any ideas for the podcast, anything like that, please feel free. Reach out to me on my social media, Instagram, Facebook, look me up, Moto Dad Tito. Okay, if you got my number, you can just call me. Um, other than that, guys, look, there's a lot of stuff out there. And that's one of the things over the past two weeks I noticed about my demeanor. Uh, you know, you're going to look and see a lot of negative things out there in the world. Um, everybody's got a lot of negative opinions. I want to try to focus on the positive stuff. Being a motorcyclist in the power sports industry, being a power sports person, that is one of the most positive things that I've had in my life. And I want to continue to embellish that shit, push that to the forefront other than negativity. I'm not going to get into politics or anything like that. But sometimes, guys, we got to take a step away from the negative things in our lives and focus on the positive things. And I found myself getting caught into the negative demeanors of what's out there nowadays with all this polarized talk in our country. And one of the things I'm always going to push to the forefront is the positive aspect because I believe power sports has that way of being an ambassador to humans and to people and the people in our country because I've met some of the best people in my life on two wheels. And I think it highlights and it magnifies what our country is all about in the true culture and the true essence on who we are as Americans and what our country stands for and motorcycling, like people pulling over for people, people talking to people. People sharing riding tips. You know, hey, you want to go to this barbecue spot? It's the best. I see the best of people come out in power sports more than any negative thing. So I'm always going to push that to the forefront. I know I talk a lot of trash about some manufacturers, but in the grand scheme of things, look, you got a lot of manufacturers out there that are trying to build the sport. They're focusing on the future. And that's a lot that can be said. And it speaks volumes. And then in some other companies that are trying to break people down and focus on negativity. So look, guys, don't get caught up in a lot of the negative stuff you hear out there. Form your own opinions. Get out there on those roads and ride. 
okay? Get out there and get involved. Everybody was a squid at some point in time. So if you're thinking about getting into riding, fuck it, dude. Jump into it. Do all the research. It is still to this day, I think, one of the greatest communities. And you run into the best people on two wheels. I know there's that saying out there. It's like you run into the best people in a Honda or a Goldwing or some shit. I have run into the best people in my life on two wheels. So focus on that always. Focus always on the good things that positive attitude. All right. Um, that's all I got for this, uh, for this episode. Probably won't get another one out of me until next week, guys. Cause yet yeah, I'm back, but still focuses on company being a parent, a dad, a husband. And I got my, my November is not slowing down. My November is still going to be pretty busy all the way until, you know, 2020. So you're probably only be getting one episode a week out of me here and there, but either way, Guys, stay up, stay positive, crush the rest of your week, enjoy your weekend, and I'll see you when I see you. Peace.